Well, one of my favorite interruptions happened at this time every year growing up. It was called winter break. Now, when I was growing up, it was called Christmas break, but between getting to open presents, getting out of school, and visiting relatives, it was one of my favorite interruptions of the whole year. But this is also when my least favorite interruption happened. Now, on these rare occasions, it would be the same time this year, it was the rare occasions when my sister and I would do the dishes and not fight. My parents are here to attest it. And so we'd get rewarded with getting to kind of be in control of the TV. And so we would run downstairs, we'd grab the remote, we'd press the button, the TV would spring to life, and we would kind of just nestle in the couch as this program would start, and we'd be mesmerized. And then three minutes into the show, we'd hear this awful sound in this robotic voice. Like, we interrupt this broadcast to bring you a very special announcement. And then my evening rapidly deteriorated. Because you go through the channels, it didn't matter, it was all in vain. You knew the networks all over were broadcasting something that they thought was super important. But at 11 years old, State of the Union addresses and, and really important things like uh, world affairs, they didn't really concern me as an 11-year-old. It was not a favorite interruption. How about you? You have a favorite interruption? We mostly don't associate favorite and interruption. Almost seems kind of uh, oxymoron, if you will. But I asked a couple people to define interruptions for me in the last two weeks, and it was interesting. As they talked more and more, I saw this kind of definition that sort of evolved to the non-important, often negative things that get in the way of living life. I think it's pretty good. The non-important often negative things that get in the way of living life. Now, what comes to your mind? Because you might picture yourself busy in an office, you've got the door shut, you're pounding stuff out, and all of a sudden, there's these knocks at the door. And there's enough, I mean, they were polite enough to knock, but there was enough knocks that you know they're not going away. They're not going to be there in an hour when your open door policy begins. They're going to be there now interruption. Or you might be on the family computer. You might be strategizing and communicating and fighting people from all over the world in this video game that's really important. And then somebody comes, maybe a brother, sister, could be a spouse, and hey, I need to do actual work on the computer and you're interrupted. But when I asked people to define favorite interruptions, this is what I heard. I heard one young person say, when I'm doing chores or when I have to do chores and a person knocks at the door and they, it's one of my friends and they ask me if I can come out and play. And my parents just say, yes, you can do your chores later. Hypothetically, right? So another person, a little bit older, said when I'm working on homework that I hate to do and one, my best friend from college calls. That's a favorite interruption. The, uh, the new Star Wars movie had to be a favorite interruption because there were several parents that uh, took, posted on Facebook or other social media that they interrupted their child's educational well-being to go take them on opening day. Their kid, at least, on opening day. And I even heard of one woman who had to set up a payment plan to pay for Adele for her tickets five years ago to go, and she interrupted that payment plan to pay several thousand dollars to go again. Now, you might question the validity of these interruptions. They might not be your favorite interruptions. But I would suggest to you that each of those suggestions were completely welcomed. How often do you welcome interruptions in your life? And have you ever seen Christmas as a welcomed interruption? 
I think a lot of us see Christmas, especially the go-getters out there, they see Christmas as this, this thing, this mission to plan and execute. You know, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to find the best tree and to decorate it with all those beautiful handmade ornaments and the heirlooms that came down. Your mission is to bake beautiful Christmas cookies or this phenomenal dinner that everyone will say is delightful. Maybe your mission is to not fight with anyone in your family and that's gonna, you're going to take that up. Or, or your mission is to go look at Christmas lights because there's snow for the first time in months. There's others of us that see Christmas as an amusement ride if we're motion sick people. Or as a mechanical bull that you can put some quarters in and endure torture. It's this thing we have to get through. I got to get through the holidays. I got to get through the parties. I got to get through it without gaining any weight. I got to get through it without hurting anyone. And I got to get through my crazy family. But in, in this view, everything that happens is an unwelcomed interruption. At least in the mission view, just things that interrupt you are seen as unwelcome. But none of them are really seen as welcome. None of them would be considered favorites. But Christmas isn't any of those things. I would suggest to you that Christmas is not a mission to accomplish. It's not a mechanical bull ride to endure or a roller coaster to endure. Christmas is actually a person to welcome and worship. I mean, consider the Christmas story. Consider Mary. Mary's a small town girl, quiet city, and she's engaged to be married to a humble, hardworking carpenter. When all of a sudden there's this angel that interrupts her life, and says that God's grace has come upon her, and that God's grace is going to fill her so much that God's spirit will hover over her, and she'll become pregnant, and she'll give birth to a son. And the angel says that this holy one will be born great and called the son of the Most High God. And this didn't make a lot of sense to Mary, and it certainly wasn't easy, but Mary welcomed the interruption to her life, and she worshiped God in her heart. I would consider Joseph— Joseph is that hardworking carpenter that we just talked about. He was planning a life with Mary, building a home with Mary, certainly planning to have kids with Mary, and he didn't welcome the news that Mary was pregnant. In fact, the writer of Matthew tells us that he planned to divorce her quietly. But an angel of the Lord met him and said, Joseph, take this woman, Mary, as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't part of Joseph's mission, but he welcomed the interruption and he worshiped God through his actions. I think the writer of Luke would want us to consider the shepherds. The shepherds were out in their fields doing their own thing, minding their business, and all of a sudden their life was interrupted on this starry night with a chorus of angels saying that there was this promised one, this Messiah that God sent, that God had promised through his prophets long ago. And this one was born that night in the town of Bethlehem, just down the road. And it didn't make any sense to those shepherds, but they left their flocks, which was their job, and they ran to the city, they found the stable, and they worshipped Jesus. They welcomed him, and they worshipped him through seeing and sharing the news. And finally, I think Matthew would want us to return to the wise men. Now, the wise men were foreign astrologers, not even really religious, but their life was interrupted when they saw a star. And though it meant much study and a great journey, they welcomed the interruption. And they worshiped God by their travels, and they lavished him with gifts. 
See, each of these people that the, that the Bible writers tell us about in these stories, their lives were changed because they welcomed the interruption of Jesus because they didn't just see their lives as this mission. They didn't see Jesus as a non-important, often negative thing that gets in the way of living life. They saw Jesus as the Lord of life. I would say that, mission, that Christmas isn't a mission to accomplish. It is truly a person to welcome in worship. John tells us in the, in the Gospel of John that Jesus was in the beginning as the Word who was with God because he was God. That God in the beginning created everything from nothing. That everything was created by Jesus and through Jesus and not one thing came into being without him. This God in this dark, starry, black at night drew light out of darkness. And this light came into the world and this light gave life to everything that was created. And this light, John tells us, shined in the darkness and the darkness has not understood it. At the beginning of this book, God, God doesn't just call life out of darkness. God, God puts life into barren parents, ready for retirement, well past their childbearing years. It's the same God that speaks through mountains and speaks through clouds and speaks through fire. And he takes slaves that are oppressed in Egypt and he brings them out to be his people. This is the God who sends Jesus. This is the God that we welcome tonight. Not only is this child sent from God, he is God. Have you welcomed him as an interruption in your life? Jesus is all these things, but Jesus took on human form. Jesus took on human nature to know what we would go through, to have the same kind of feelings that you're having right now. I don't know those feelings, but I know this God does because he took on our humanity but he became the proclaimer of good news. He became a voice of truth in a sea of lostness. He became a healer of hurting hearts. And he became our sin when he was crucified on a cross so that we could be restored with God. Friends, that's good news. That's why we celebrate tonight. Christmas isn't what we celebrate. Christmas is who we celebrate. This Jesus, he is truly the joy of the world. Have you welcomed him? And have you worshipped him for who he is? John, as he climaxes the introduction of his book, he says, Jesus came to those who were his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet, to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or a husband's will, but children born of God. That when we welcome Jesus into our life and when we live for him every day, he changes it. He absolutely changes it. You could ask a guy who came to our church recently this fall, showed up on a friend's couch, actually, showed up on his doorstep to sleep on his couch because his life was falling apart around him. His marriage was in shambles. His kids were estranged. He'd lost his job. He literally had nothing and he was invited to church. He literally had nothing but Jesus. And yet in that moment, he learned that he never had to work for approval from God. In that moment, he learned that his sin wasn't something that Jesus kept over and over paying for and over and over trying to bring back to him. That on that cross that Jesus had paid for everything once and for all and it was enough. And he has found life. 
I want you to find life in Jesus tonight. And you can simply by praying this prayer with me. Jesus, Savior, God with us, the one who brought light out of darkness, would you interrupt our life? I welcome you because I need you. I believe you came into this world, God, to give us light and to give us life. You came to show us the way from our selfishness and the way from our consumerism and the way from our sin. And you gave your life as the ultimate sacrifice, and I receive it. I believe that you're enough, that I don't have to earn it. So Holy Spirit, come into my life, guide my life, lead me every day so that I can live for you and I can live for your kingdom. And I thank you for sending your son. Help me to welcome his interruption every moment of my life and every day of this next new year. And would you change my life? Amen.